Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Life Podcast, where we discuss captivating discussions around empowering men and women. My focus is generally, initially was on women, just focusing on women because of the domestic violence and abuse that we face as a domestic driver. That was generally my focus. But what I have come to understand is that in order for me to work towards ending domestic violence, we need to have the men involved as well. Because not only do women get in domestic violence and lose their lives, but men also lose their life as well. So I think in order for us to move forward, we have to have that dialogue. We have to have that conversation. And I am so glad that I have Ken here with me today. Ken and Alan Tubash with me. And he is going to be talking to us. He's going to be telling us his story. And we're going to have a conversation. We don't want to stifle anything. Ken is a professional coach since January 20. 2021. He's been practicing coaching for the last 40 years. However, most of us know people don't know what coaching is. So it was never called coaching. It was called a leader or called a trainer. And he started his part-time business while working in the corporate world. He set out to start teaching leadership and team building skills to corporations and in the academic world, as I mentioned before. This did not work for him because he wanted to do more. After two, about two years ago, he decided to try his hand at life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, with friends and with family. And oh my gosh, he loved it. He loved the transformation <laughs> that mm. was occurring while he was doing the coaching. Mm. This has been a life discovery for him and a mm. passion in life. And uh, he has studied and now have become the better coach. And now he's a, a life coach, but a powerful life coach. I have mm. had Ken before, but we want to dive into, you know, things that Ken may have experienced as a man. And he's just going to share. So we just want to have that conversation mm-hmm. where we can talk about things. We are just going to have that. And we are just going to explore. So mm. Ken. Thank you for being here with me. I may not have pronounced your last name correctly. So mm-hmm. please forgive me and <laughs> I'll just, you have the flow. Mm. My last name is pronounced Altenbach. That's, a, you know, a lot of people have a real difficulty with it. They call me all kinds of names and never get it right. So years ago, years and years ago, I was in a, I was going through some kind of training and we had to learn about each other's name and how we can remember that. So when it came to my turn, I said, God, how can I get people to understand and know and never have to worry about my last name again. And this is what I told them. And and it sticks with everybody that I say this to. If you're familiar with the composer Bach, like like Beethoven and all that stuff. So I tell them, imagine 10 Bachs sitting in a movie theater and they're watching Barbie, the Barbie doll. And you know who the Barbie doll's boyfriend, Barbie's boyfriend is, is Ken. Ken and Barbie. We all grew up with that. So I said, imagine 10 bucks watching Ken and Barbie on a stage, all 10 bucks. That's how I get people to remember my name. And people, when they hear that, they, hey, Ken Altenbach, 
Ken Altenbach, Ken Altenbach. Yeah, now I got it. All 10 bucks. That's like, Thank fantastic. You. That's a really, really good story to start yeah. us off with. Absolutely. Ah, that's amazing. I'm not going to yeah. go there. Okay. <laughs> all 10 bucks. All, all 10 bucks. All, all 10 bucks. Yeah, all 10 bucks. Yeah, there you go. You okay. got it. Fabulous. Right. So now we can carry. Now we have had the fun of pronunciation of names. And I must say, right. Ken, that was one of the things that stopped me from public speaking because of pronunciation, because I was told, you know, a long time ago by one of my managing directors that I couldn't speak English. Mm. And therefore I remained silent for a long time. Um, but it's English that I spoke is, is my Caribbean, is my West Indian with my West Indian accent. So it will sound a little bit different, but I'm not no longer ashamed of that, but any day that's by the side. Mm. So what I want to know, Ken, you have lived this colorful for life. I want to know Ken from the very beginning. How did Ken grow up? Hmm. What inspired Ken? What made Ken into that powerful father, grandfather, husband, um, son, uncle, you know, cousin, all these things that <laughs> would have happened in your lifetime to shape who you have become. Yeah. Because on well, this program, what I generally talk about is about domestic violence. And I want people to know how they can overcome that. But I used to focus just on women. But what I felt now is that I need to bring the men into the conversation because in all order for us to understand each other, for men and women to understand each other and have a better relationship, we cannot leave men out of the conversation. So I just like to hear from you, your take on that and your experience. Sure. Well, thank you, Vernon, for having me on here. And you and I had a discussion, you know, going through our coaching training together, uh, had the opportunity to coach with you and you told me your story. And I told you a little about my story during that, that coaching time that you and I had. And you're right. Right. People focus on the domestic violence, you know, what women go through. And that's a big problem all over the world. It's not even just isolated somewhere. It's all over the world. It just doesn't get addressed as much. And it's hard for a man to come forward and say, listen, there's abuse in our in our lives as well. We just don't talk about it because we got to be these big, bad men. And we have these egos and we never let them see us sweat and just suck up the feelings and just move on with your life here. I wasn't domestically abused from a relationship as far as a marriage or a partner. I grew up being abused physically and verbally myself and my siblings did. And um, I grew up being scared of one of my parents, very, very scared to the point where that uh, even when I got married, I got a tattoo while I was in the military. I was married and two kids. And when I came home for, to, for vacation to go visit the family, I was afraid to even show that to this parent about having that too, because I was afraid about what would the repercussions were going to be. So you you say you know, you want to bring men into this here. That's fantastic because it's going to create awareness about abuse all over the world, men, women, children, whatever. So I went through my whole entire life doing this, uh, being this way of being afraid and being abused and praying that somehow get out of it. And that prayer was answered by me getting married. I got married at a very, very young age, got out of the household, went into the military, and I started defining my life the way I wanted to have it after I got out of the house. Is the abuse still going on today? Not physically, but I am not speaking to this parent after 30 years because of what had happened over the years 
growing up and even when I got married the second time, the abuse of troll. That's what I'm trying to get at, the controlling. And that's what the abuse was. It was controlling, uh, trying to keep me down, trying to keep my siblings down. It was a power control. But we don't talk about that. Men don't talk about that. We're supposed to be this strong image and just go on. But once I left the house and once I got married and once I get got past that and I was able to say, listen, I don't want any, any part of this anymore here. I need to be this way. But Verna, when I had my kids and my young kids here, I started doing what this parent started doing to me with my own kids. And I realized the hurt and the pain that I went through, I was causing my own kid. The verbal abuse, not physical abuse because I didn't want to hurt a child here, but the verbal was there. It was really, really there. I realized then back in my early, early age there that if I continue to do this here, I'm damaging another human being and I don't want to do that. So I learned a lot from that. And how can I use that? How can I use that information? How can I be a different person here? And that's what I started to doing. What can I do? I had to change myself. I had to be myself and decided that I want to go on a different path. And that led me to who I am here today. Very passionate about another person. The love I have for other people. I could go out and meet a stranger right away and fall in love with them because that's who I am. That's who I want to portray. That's what I want to betray in this world. And if I could myself, Verna, then maybe what I am doing and how I'm acting might change another person's world at that time when they interact with me. So I learned a lot about myself. I've read a lot of self-development books. I got into all that learn how to communicate as far as not screaming and hollering, demanding, but listening, deeply listening, understanding that I don't have all the answers, Verna, that I can make myself vulnerable. And I learned about vulnerability maybe about 10, 15 years ago in my leadership world. I didn't have to be this high and mighty leader that everybody ran to for the answers. And I knew them and I directed them and all that. Once the vulnerability came up with me and I allowed that to happen, my world changed. Thank you for having me on here about to talk about this. It wasn't domestic abuse. It's It was abuse. And a lot of men my age are out there right now and don't know who to talk to or where to go and how to express themselves here. And I'm starting to do that. I've been doing that. I am telling my story. That's fantastic. And I think you are so right that when we grew up in household, and this is the important thing, we wonder sometimes why men and women abuse each other. And sometimes it's because of what we see growing up. We think that's normal. We think that it's okay to do that. And oftentimes, um, either the man will stay in the relationship because he thinks he has to stay because of the children or the woman, especially the woman will stay. I think, as you said, there's something you touched on, which I need to go back to Mm -hmm. controlling Mm -hmm. that controlling spirit Mm -hmm. want to control everything. Keep everybody under the thumb, keep pressing the thumb down to make you feel insecure. And when that happens, you're wondering where to turn to, as you said, Mm -hmm. where to go. And it's so often as a believer, as somebody who grew up in church and everything like that, you don't hear that speak on the pulpit. You don't hear them talk about it. We talk all about tithes and offering and prosperity and abundance. But having an abundant life is in every area of your life, not being suppressed in any one area. I know you, you shed a lot, but what else can you say to 
men out there who may be going through a hard time because we want to bring that balance so you 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 speaking about a man i'm going to talk about the women because i i you will understand from more from a man's right. point of view although you did not go through sexual and physical abuse domestic abuse mm-hmm. but you still went through be abuse and that had that had a almost a detrimental effect on you because you found yourself starting to do it to your kids mm-hmm. you bring up an interesting point you asked me the question what can i say about men who are still sitting with this suppression sitting with this hurt and this anger and whatever else is going on and taking it out on their wives or taking it out on their kids or whatever i remember 15 years ago while i was in a corporation i was sent away for some training and And it was my fourth year. We went for one week once a year. So I was in my fourth year. And I was warned about this training that I was going to be going about during that time. And it was basically that I call it a feelings class. I call it that pour out your soul class. And that's what it was. It was each one of us, 30 some attendees had to stand up and tell some kind of a story that really haunted you, that really was really affected. And Vern, I'm telling you, for a whole week until it got to my turn there, I was denying it. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to stand up. I didn't want to confess. I didn't want to acknowledge it. Hey, it done. It happened. It was gone. There's nothing I could do about it right now. The day of, I even stood up and said, listen, I don't want to be here to do this here. I don't want to say this here. I don't want to bring this up. It's only going to bring up these feelings. I I don't want to do that here. And the love and attitude of everybody in that room, including the instructor, they encouraged me to say that to every everybody in the room, whatever story they had, no matter how horrific it was here, you're in a safe space, in a safe space, which it allowed me to say, pour out my everything that was going on in me at that time. The whole room was crying. The instructor was crying. I was crying because I was able to release what I needed to release. And from that point on, Verna, I've shared my story multiple times in multiple situations on podcasts and coaching sessions, um, even in leadership world where I had a story to tell, I was expressing my vulnerability. So my advice is to tell everybody who's ever out there that's holding on to their story. And if it's taking you down to a deeper hole, there are people, anyone that you can release to your pastor, your superior, your own family members, even coaches that are willing to just give you that space to say that story that you want to get out. No judgment. Once you get past that, that people are judging you because you went through this here, Mm -hmm. then your world totally opens up. Then the help or the advice or the coaching that you're seeking will be provided for you. The advice is here, start talking to somebody, seek it out, a therapist, a counselor, a coach, whoever. And once those stories are starting to release, mm-hmm. another world will open up for you. And that's what I discovered. I, I mean, in that discovery, I guess you you had lots of changes taking place. Oh, yeah. How did that make you feel? It made me feel like I had nothing to hide anymore. That I'm not a, how to put this here, that I'm not a weak person, that there are millions of other people going through what I'm going through or where I went, okay? It changed my life, Verna, because act differently uh, and be differently around 
around my kids and my grandkids and uh, around my spouse and around my brothers and my sisters and all that here differently than I feel about that. Around the people that went, even in the corporate world, how I was being, and, and as you and I both know that we have a very great instructor that says, that kept tell, telling us this whole story about them. I'm creating you by who I am being while I'm in your presence. And that's absolutely true. So if I'm able to do that, I'm creating, I may not even know it. You may not even know it here. I'm creating somebody that who I want them to be because the way I am showing up, the way I am being, and I truly live that. That's what it's changed in me. I don't hold back anymore. I don't harbor any kind of ill will against my parent. I don't do it. I give, I've learned to, in coaching sessions, I learned to forgive. I don't have to be in their lives, but I forgave them. Yeah. And that was tough for me. That was tough for me. Very, very tough. It's changed me that, listen, even though I have these inside of me here, it's not going to define me. It's not going to control me. And it's not going to tell me how I should or should not live my life. And I think that's so important. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is such an important key because when you are able to forgive, people will say, why have you forgiven them for all the things that they have done to you? But if you stay in unforgiveness, where does that leave you? You seem as though you are trapped and you can't move anywhere. Right. Because forgiveness is about forgiving you because you tend, you, you don't realize it, but you blame yourself for a lot of things that may have transpired, mm. not realizing that none of these things were under your control especially when you are a child growing up mm. and this is being done to you, you have no control over that. And so to take on the blame that it's my fault, I caused it. If I had done this, then it could have been different. And that's where the controlling starts with, with the individuals because, oh, if you hadn't said that, that would not have happened, you know, in, in, a, in, in relationships. That's the first thing they will do, control you so that when you do something, oh, but you didn't do it right. And, and that's why that happened. So right away, the blame, that blame shifting starts. And then you now are walking on tippy-toe because you want to please. That wanting to please someone else is something that was instilled in us. We didn't born with that. We were born to be free. Mm -hmm. We were born to, to fellowship and to, to congregate mm -hmm. and to be as one. But somewhere along the line, these things have shifted. And if we hold on to unforgiveness, it paralyzes you. Right. You know, and it took me a long time to realize that. And one of our coaches in our community said, you know, it's like, Unforgiving is still having that string attached to you and to that person that you're not forgiving, that you're living your life, living your life because of what had happened. And it's allowing you to still be controlled. Even though that person's not in your life no more here, you are still attached to it. So I was coached and went deep and I learned to cut that string. And the cutting the string was to forgive. I could even take this a little bit deeper, Verna. And I'm learning a lot from Michael Neal and, you know, the uh, the inside out success, about our thoughts and our feelings and all that. 
And what I'm learning is too, is this parent, their thinking at the time was their best thinking at that time. Okay. Their thinking was, this is the way I have to do this things here. I think I'm right here because of way they were brought up, which I'm learning a lot more about that because I found out not through the parent, through my life going, being the way that this parent was and myself with them, the relationship that there was possible abuse with this parent too. Mm -hmm. All right. So it carries on and carried on to me. And I started carrying it on with my kids at a very young age as well, too. And then I realized this cannot keep me generational. I cannot keep this going because what they're going to do is carry on everybody. And we're all going to think that this is this is the best way we need to handle this situation. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the forgiveness came in here. That parent was doing their best from the thinking that they were experiencing at that time, even though it was abuse. That abuse was basically, I'm going to control you. That's the way I'm going to control you. So you don't become bad or go go straying and all that. Done. So I'm going to control you from doing that. So yeah, so so imagine. And I think when we can relate that when we can see, but it's difficult for to see during that period of time that the person, the abuser, have been abused. Mm -hmm. They grew up being abused and no one has told them differently. Right. And is a way of, is it like, do you think it's like a survivor thing? For the abuser, a survivor abuser. thing? Do you think that because they have gone through abuse themselves and they think, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's a, a sort of survivor or whether they think I, I need to be in control because if I'm not in control, I will be abused. I will go through that same thing again. That just came to me. It's not something that I've ever picked up on before, but I just picked that up. What do you think? And that's a very deep question, Verna, that's really having me think about this here is, you know what? If I look at it that way, it was. I mean, if I know now that what the life this parent was going through with whatever kind of abuse, because I don't know what it is, because I didn't hear about it until recently, even though I'm not on speaking terms with this parent, but I found out out through siblings and everything. Hey, there's a possibility. We're not definite, but it is a survival thing. Hey, well, listen, I survived it. This is the best way I know how to raise my own children because this is the way I did it myself. And if I don't do it this way, then I failed as a parent. Yeah. So that is a survival. And you don't want that reputation or you don't want that people talking about you here that you're a weak parent or you don't know how to parent and everything like that. So the way to survive as a parent is the way I was brought up. That must be the correct way. So I'm going to continue to do that as with my own kids thinking all along. That's the correct way because Vernon, I will tell you, and I've got that's interesting. That is so deep right now here all along while this was happening, people brought this to this parent's attention and everything like that. And this parent denied it and said, this is a loving family. We stick together. We help one another. We, a family comes first and I'm a great parent and I'm doing all this here, doing all this and not even recognizing the other side of it here, what was yeah. happening on. Yeah, they were, uh, it's like they were oblivious to what was happening. They desensitized themselves uh, right. from what is occurring and they, they were blinded. They couldn't see what was going on, not making any excuses uh, right. for them, but there come a time when there's some form of realization that uh, what I'm doing is harmful and is recognized 
recognizing that and be willing to take a transformative, transformative step to transform oneself. And that is not a weakness. If they show vulnerability, if they show weakness, if they show passion, if they show love in the abuser's mind, that shows them that they are weak. That doesn't show them they have what people perceive them. You bit up bringing an interesting fact too, as well too, as, as we're reliving this. And I thank you for this here because I'm talking and the more I talk about it, the more I get my story out there and, and maybe helping somebody that's going to be viewing this here all along is like you just said, they have to recognize at some point in their life that I didn't do so well, or this is what, what are the reasons why? This, this, and this. All four of this parent's ch- uh, children, all four of us, our sibling here, have not spoken to this parent for the last 20 to 30 years. All four of us. And this parent still thinks that we are wrong. They think they are right. And they didn't recognize it. Or they're choosing not to because they don't want to face what did I do to cause harm to my kids? And I don't want to face that. So I'll just continue this and continue this because in their mind, I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be looked upon that. And that could be something very that could be that could be a medical condition. We don't know that. You can't tell them that. Well, you need to see a therapist. You need to see a psychiatrist. You need to, and their mind is, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. You're the problem, not me. And so many times as parents, parents think that children shouldn't speak up. It's a girl, you know, you must be seen and not be heard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That, that sort of thing. But that's quite interesting because the thing is, is that so many times we, we want to, we want to speak. And he said, you know, out of this, remind me of a scripture verse that says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings come out, come these, these words that can change life. But in so many ways, oh, what does a child have to say? What does a child know? And being ignored. And with that, would you say, this just came up, there is an ignorance, an ignorance of not wanting to know or wanting hmm. to, to free oneself. I wouldn't call it ignorance. If you say ignorance, that tells me that a person just absolutely does not know what I did wrong or if I did wrong, how to fix it. Please help me. It comes out of pride. It comes out of ego. Okay. that That's what comes up for me. And that's, you know, I, I could sit here and make all the excuses or I could sit there like only if she had a conversation or he had a conversation with me and sat down and so we could talk about that here. They're not ignorant to it. They, they know what happened is that maybe it's too far along that they feel that they cannot fix it or even want to fix it, Verna, or feel that they still, it's not ignorance that in their minds, they were never wrong. It comes back to the thinking that they were doing at the, when they thought it was the correct way to do that. That's that's what it comes down to. And that's why it's so great to be on here and talk about this here, because that if we continue to live our lives, well, please, I wish this person knew about this and I really want to tell them and how that, how they made me feel and all that, that's not going to work, but it's not going to work because they're the ones that need to change and you're trying to change it. And then you and I both know no one could change you except yourself. Okay. So it'd be futile to sit there and have this person sitting in front of you here. You know what you did to me. And especially a person who thinks I didn't do anything wrong. It, it wasn't me. What are you thinking about stuff? But to be able to sit and do something like this, where you release it and know that I'm changing myself. I'm freeing myself. I'm forgiving myself here. I don't want that person in my life again. I can't even live my life. I wish they were punished. I wish they'd go to jail. I wish this. I wish that. Because then you're still attached to it. And you're living your life because of that here. By doing what we're doing, you and I right now, because you had a horrific story. I have a horrific story. And all the people that are going to be listening to this, they might have a horrific story, but they don't know what to do about it. And the first step, that is men or women or 
anybody, teenagers, young adolescents, older people is here is know there's people out there that is willing to listen to your story and not judge you because of that. That's a big relief, big relief. I said my story. I got it off my chest. I don't need to lay on a therapist's couch to say this here. I harbored this. I kept it in me. I wanted to live that. Okay. I recognize that. And all I need to do is talk to people about it. And it started 10, 15 years ago with that class all the way up to when you and I met in a coaching conversation, yeah. I shared that. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize is that talking, Damn. talking is healing. When you're speaking, you're speaking from a place of depth. You're speaking words that are coming from somewhere deep within you. The pain, when you speak, you're releasing the pain, you're releasing the hurt. And with the release comes the healing. When we sit with that pain, it becomes like a heavy cloak. Mm wearing a heavy cloak. And when you release it, it's almost as though you're losing pounds off you. You're shedding pounds. And that's what's so good about a conversation. That's why we need healthy conversation. So when someone hurt us, it's not about revenge. It's not about how do I make this person pay? Vern, if I may jump in there. Um, yeah, sure. And, uh, I know that you you and I were spiritual people. We believe in God. We believe in all that. And people say that as I t main thing that I say about that is like Jesus wants us to live the way he lived. Okay. Love and forgive. Okay. And when we're harboring stories and want revenge on that, whatever abuse had happened in your life from that person, Jesus was on the cross. He was killed for us. And while he was on there, he wasn't harboring. Oh man, I wish all of you would die because of that. I wish something happens into your life there. He forgave everybody, everybody right then and there. He didn't carry that story. God didn't carry that story. He didn't get, he could exact revenge. He could have destroyed the world right then and there, but the power, the power of forgiveness had the power to do it. Right. But the power, he was giving us a story to live for now until eternity here, power of forgiveness. I didn't have to create you, but I did. And I gave you the power of forgiveness. That is so releasing. It is so releasing because now I'm not living my life because of the abuse that happened to me. And I went revenge and I, I want to have that parent sit down in front of me and scream and holler and tell them how wrong they were. And everything. then I'll feel better. Chances are I would probably feel worse because I felt good in the moment of telling that parent off, but I'm going to feel guilty for even doing it in the first place days later. And then I'm going to go back to blaming myself. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. What is done is done. But if you can learn from it, that's what matters. If you can live from it, that's what matters. If you could tell the story to help other people who are sitting here watching this or listening to this somewhere in the world here, that they're okay to share it, judge you. That's what matters. And you think that's so powerful, Ken, being able to share that story. I spoke to someone this morning and she's trapped in a marriage for the last five years. She has a young child. And uh, she said to me, Verna, the reason I have my mind is because of God. I keep reading the Bible every day and I'm gaining strength. And I know now to put my barriers because she's living with the family. The, the husband's family lives downstairs and she lives upstairs. And uh, she don't work. She can't work. There's, she could go downstairs and talk to the neighbor, but that's as far as she goes. She can't. Uh, she's from another country. 
country so she can go visit her family, not take the child with her. If she goes, she has to leave the child, you know? So I think that is keeping her in the relationship because she doesn't want to lose her child. And so many times I keep hearing this story. I mean, on Saturday, I spoke to a gentleman and he too was married and he gave the wife whatever she wanted, whatever she wanted she had. And then I think she went with someone else, but he was he was being abused during that time. But he, he stayed, kept on staying. And then eventually they had children. He continued to stay. And as long as she got the car, as long as she got everything that she wanted, that was fine. She didn't get it then that was a different story. So that's what I'm saying. We have to listen to men. We have to hear their story as well. But then eventually he had to to leave and they had to separate. And what did she want? He asked me, what did she want? I said, well, in separate, she'll have the kids. Now she wanted the house, the car and everything else except the children. Now you brought up two fantastic stories and both stories with the lady that is not leaving her husband and with this gentleman here is what it comes down to is they feel that there's nothing else beyond this here, that they're going to fail, that if I don't have my wife and give her everything here, I'll never find another person again like that. This lady, I have nowhere to go or they're going to take my child away from me. I'll share a story with you too. I'm part of another coaching group on top of what we are involved in here. And one of the ladies, beautiful lady, beautiful, she left the country with her children because of the abuse that was going on with her thought the same thing i have nothing where am i gonna go what am i gonna do she did it she just picked up her and her kids and she she left the country and she's starting a life all over again because she realized that this here this what's going on in my life right now is not the only thing that's going to be going on in my life there are things beyond here will it be tough verna we all know it will be tough it's not going to be easy your stories that you just shared with me as well too right now they're thinking i can't do any better or i can't go nowhere place here so i'll, I'll stay here and be abused whether it's physical, whether it's sexual, whether it's verbal, whether it's control, it's better for them right there, right here, right now, because they're not seeing beyond what is possible. And then they got people like you and I that can help them see that possibility. Not tell them what to do, Verna. You know that we don't do that. But to help them to understand that you do not need to live your life like this and that you are not under anybody else's control. Your self-worth is so low that you don't think there's any possible way. So you're going to keep doing that abusive relationship. Why don't we and even some men, why don't they leave when they're getting smacked around or beat or anything like that? Because they have no idea that there's something else out there, but they just can't not find it or too scared to look for that. Yeah. But also we talked about, I mean, this conversation have got to, we have to have a part two of this, Ken. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> because we only have a limited time where we can, right. we can go. We'll have to wrap it up shortly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, one of the reasons why they don't leave, number one, finance. So if you have somebody controlling the finance, you don't have any finance to, to mm-hmm. walk out the door with. Uh, number two, you are ashamed to talk about it. You don't want anything yes. to know because there is such a taboo on it, especially mm-hmm. when you talk about it. Like someone said to me, oh, no, nobody wants to talk about that. Well, unfortunately, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. We have to talk about it. It's something we have to talk about because too many women are losing their lives. You know, this month, I I believe about three or four women, I, I don't know them personally, lost their lives. 
wives. They were killed by their partners. And that's only what I know about. That's not what I don't know. 736 million women experience abuse. A third of that will die, will be killed by their partners, be murdered by their partners or family members. Yes, it's in some in some cases is religion. Yes, some cases is cultural. Yes, some cases is the abuser have been abused mm-hmm. and he wants control or she wants control and power over someone else. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about it is that God did not design us to live that kind of life. If we are not able to converse and have opinions mm-hmm. and be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Then there comes a time for separation, to go our separate ways, not take somebody's life. It's like we're taking it like it's we drinking water, like the river flowing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because there has been no education around that. Yes, we right. teach sexual education, mm-hmm. but we don't teach that. We don't talk about it in the, in, in, in the body of Christ. And one of the things is statistics of, you know, abuse in church and women in church and men in church is staggering. Yeah. It is staggering, but it's all swept under the carpet. So ladies and gentlemen, in this podcast, the Unstoppable Life podcast, we are talking captivating conversations. We want to create dialogue. We want to get you involved. And let's get to the nitty gritty of how can we put an end to domestic violence, sexual abuse, and molestation. Mm. I know it probably won't end in my lifetime, but the thing is I have been given a mission. So I'm going to pick up walking my purpose. I'm going to walk in my purpose and do what I am called to do, be of service. And this is bringing you conversations where we can talk and we can have dialogue. So when you listen to this podcast, please share like and subscribe. You may know of someone who is going through a horrible time. You know, Ken and I are coaches. We are life coaches. As we said during the podcast, we are not going to tell you what to do, Mm. what decisions to make, but we're going to ask you questions. And in those questions, you will find the answers. And once you get that insight, it's up to you. Take that insight and do something about it. Mm. But we want to change lives. And that's why we do what we do, because we love what we do. Mm-hmm. We love it. It's, it's not a job. Mm-hmm. It's something that we love. We are passionate about. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank you for listening to us. We want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to you coming back and getting food we want we this is food for the you know we say food for thoughts Mm -hmm. food food for the body soul spirit and mind Mm. so you're getting that renewing of the mind and with that i just want to pass over to ken that he Mm. may have some closing words we end this podcast Absolutely. Like you said, there's got to be a part two, Verna. (laughs) You and I could probably talk about this all day here, but we're not on this here because of you and I. We're on this here because, like you said, we are passionate about serving others. And it starts, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it started with me to be able to have a conversation with somebody, a group of people, somebody that started releasing me about what was going on in my, my life here right now. You may think it's the end of the world, but I'm telling you, if you have that conversation, and start releasing. I'm not telling you also that it's going to be 
fixed overnight or after one conversation. But if you begin, that's the journey that could start you on a whole new life. And that's what we're here for. Verna, myself, and all the other coaches that we we know, we're here to serve. We're here to love and we give ourselves to you. So thank you, Verna, for having me on today. This is, was a fantastic conversation today. I would love to be back. Whenever you have me, you just reach out to me and I will be there for you. Bye, everybody. Thank you very much for giving me this time and allowing you to hear some of my story as well. Oh, thank you very much, Ken. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We look forward to you listening and getting your feedback. So we welcome you, anything you have to say, because with that, we can create more podcasts centered around what you want to hear and what you want to know. So we want to bring you powerful conversation, conversations that brings healing to you, as I said, to the body, mind, and soul. So thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Life podcast, where we discuss captivating conversations that helps to change minds. Mm-hmm. Take care and God bless. Speak Bye. to you soon.